Hi, this is Regeline Sabat, also known as Gigi. You're listening to Walk With Me podcast. My guest today is Orly O'More. Orly O'More is an internationally known speaker, business coach for public speakers, networking expert, and author of several books. Welcome to the show, Orly. Thank you for having me, Gigi. You're welcome. It's an honor to have you today. Now, why don't you start off by telling us about you and where you're from? So right now I'm in New York. Uh, I am a citizen of the world and right now I'm quarantined in New York City. So I <laughs> gotta, gotta keep on, uh, gotta keep uh, shackles on, you know. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's where I'm from. <laughs> How's the quarantine life going for you? <laughs> well, I feel like I'm on house arrest, but it's okay. I'm, I'm, I'm making the best of it, as they say. <laughs> I love it. I'm sure work is keeping you busy as well. Extremely busy, never been as busy as I am in in the house. But uh, you know, sometimes I just feel like screaming, "Get me out of here!" You know, one of those things, right? It's like, well, if they don't put me in insane asylum as soon as I get out, we're good. We're, I, that means I made it. <laughs> yes, ma'am, and I will know you made it. <laughs> now, Orly, can you start off by telling us about your company as well, Orly or More Enterprises? So Orly Amore Enterprises was uh, was formed because nobody can pinpoint what I do for a living. And basically because I, I do own multiple companies. And so we had to put an umbrella on it. So Orly Amore Enterprises is just a way of saying, okay, there's multiple enterprises there and we can't really pin one down. So that's really what it is. And it's been formed because I own a publishing company. I am a business coach for public speakers. I have a health and wellness platform. And uh, so it's like all these things. And I'm an author. And I have, did I say that I have a publishing company? I don't even know what I said. You know what I mean? So all these things that, have, uh, that I have are even confusing me. And I have an event planning company. We do events on cruise ships and conferences and so on. So I mean, like at one point or another, you got to put an umbrella on it and just say, okay, we do all these things. And uh, if you want to know more, <laughs> contact me. <laughs> I love it. Now, can you tell us more about your book, The 12 Powers We Hold Within? Yeah, so that came about because I, you know, I mean, it's a self-help book. So I, I have a story, like everybody else has a story. And when people meet me, they really don't know my story. And it was a way for me to share with the world uh, that we do all have powers and we've all been through something. And it's not about having a competition with each other on what kind of story we have and, and who went through worse things than anybody else. But for me, it was about helping others share their story. And... Um, when I was speaking all over the world and, and also having a property management company at the time, one of my girlfriends asked me to speak at a women's shelter. And if you want me to get into the story, I will. So yes, ma'am, please. Okay. So um, my girlfriend, and we all have an annoying friend. So she was my best friend in the world. And she said, I need you to come and speak at this women's shelter. And at the time I had this huge property management company. I was already speaking in property management, but I said to her, well, what do you want me to speak about? She goes, well, I want you to come and tell your story. And I said, are you crazy? Like, what's wrong with you? I, I don't know what to, how to tell my story. And she said, well, come on, Orly, you got to come and tell your story. And so she called every single day for three weeks. So talk about perseverance, right? Or persistence for that matter. Orly, are you going to do it? Are you going to do it? So after three weeks, I got really fed up and I said, okay, well, why do you want me to to come and speak like there's other people that speak on these subjects and she said well you have such a bubbly personality every time we go out and we go to these networking events you're like a, you're like a social butterfly you know just and you live a life that most people dream about just come and talk to these people give them hope you know and I said okay what do I have to do to get you off my phone because I'm about not to answer your calls that's not going to happen I don't want to tell my story and she said well for you to say yes so I'm like, oh my God, she is going to get one of those annoying people and that's never going to stop calling, you know, like a telemarketer. <laughs> like, oh, I felt like she was one of those people. And I said, okay, well, uh, all right, I'll do it. So I had to hire a coach for this because it was not my intention to tell my story. And so I, I, a few months later, I'm speaking at this women's shelter where there's 171 people there about, you know, about that with the staff and the uh, attendees. And I and once I got off the stage, there was something really weird that happened. And I will tell you my story in a second. But uh, it was really weird because I've been speaking in the in the property management world for so long that uh, once I got off, once I got done speaking at this shelter, 
there was not one dry eye in the place. And I'm thinking, oh my God, these women have been through so much. And I, like I said, there's no competition of stories. It's just like, wow, they've been probably through worse things than I have. And yet they're crying. And then I got off the stage and something weirder happened is that people were coming and hugging me and thanking me. And I've never seen that in, in speaking. I've been speaking, like I said, in, 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 in property management, but I've never had that kind of reaction. You know, most people come and say, Orly, I mean, Miss Amore, uh, we have a problem with our board of directors. You know, like it was never something like, oh, thank you for sharing. Thank you for coming. Thank you for giving us hope. It was hugs and, and just real genuine thank yous and tears. And, and it was really overwhelming because it was my first motivational speech. Can you imagine? Oh, my goodness. And then one lady came up to me and it was very, very moving where she was crying profusely and said, you don't understand, thank you so much. And I said, no, I do understand, but honey, you gotta calm down. She said, no, you do not understand. I said, sweetheart, we all understand, Sweet, you gotta breathe, just breathe. And she said, no, you don't understand. And then back and forth and back and forth we went and everybody was kind of quieting down to see what's going on. And then she yelled at me, no, you don't understand. And I was really taken aback. And she took out a piece of paper out of her, um, out of her pocket and she showed it to me and she pointed at it and said, you see here, this is how I was going to kill myself this morning. And you know what? I don't remember driving from my house to the shelter, but I heard you speak and I want to live. I just need you to show me how. Oh my God, Gigi, Niagara Falls. I could not even believe what just happened. People were crying around me. I was crying and hugging her. I just didn't know what to do. And it was the first motivational speech. Now, let me tell you my story before this even happened. My, my story is very short and sweet. I mean, sweet. 18 seconds of it. That's what I want to say. Um, I was a beaten up child. I was molested four times before the age of 14. I was raped three times before the age of 22, twice gang, gang raped, nine months apart, left for dead. Uh, I was married to a very abusive husband, both mentally and physically. And as a result of that, I had four abortions and I gained a, most, uh, a, a very a morbid amount of weight. I was 428 pounds of my heaviest. And, and to hear everybody else's stories, I didn't feel like I had a story. Does that make sense? I mean, it's not that I felt like mine was better or bigger or, or worse than anybody else. And that's why I never wanted to share my story because I never thought that my story would move anyone or would, would change anyone's lives. And that's why when she was in my arms, my head was not like, wow, this is so cool. It was like more, wow, I just saved somebody's life. And that's why I, I, I tell people, please, you know, share your story, become a public speaker, become a mentor, a coach, whatever it is, because in that act of sharing, there's contribution. You just don't know whose life you're going to change. And so that's been my mission and vision for people, whether they're entrepreneurs, coaches, speakers, whatever, it's never to stop sharing your story. And it became my lifelong mission. I left property management and I said, goodbye, sayonara. This is what I want to do for the rest of my life. So there you have it. This is how it all started. Wow. First and foremost, I want to point out that you are such an incredible woman and your, your story is very powerful and inspiring. You just inspired me. So thank you for sharing that with the audience as well. Now, sure. Yes, ma'am. Now, can you tell us more about your book, Public Speakers, You're Not All That, 12 Reasons Why Event Planners Won't Hire You? Yes. So I started speaking and getting paid to speak. And, um, you know, there's a moment or a pivotal moment, like that pivotal moment at the shelter for me to go speak. And, and I, I got paid to speak. And then I got certified as a behavior analyst. And, and then I traveled the world speaking all over the world, 26 countries, 18 states. And I've always been paid to speak. And then in 2010, I went to this uh, event in Arlington, Texas, where three guys came over to me in the break room for speakers. And they said, aren't you Orly Amor? I said, yes. Do I know you? I'm sorry. I don't remember. They said, no, we've never met before, but we've seen you on the circuit. And I said, oh, okay, very well. So we started talking and um, just networking. When, as one of them said to me, I'm just curious, how did you get this gig? I said, I don't know. I called. I told them what I speak about. They paid me and I'm here. They all looked at me like if I had three heads. You got paid? 
And I'm like, oops, uh, you guys didn't? They're like, no, we got our expenses paid, but we didn't get paid. And I said, oh, no, I got paid and I got my expenses paid. I was almost afraid to say that. But you know when you don't know what you don't know? And finally you find out that you didn't know? It's like I I've always been paid, so I didn't know that people did not get paid. And now I felt like, oh, my God, I got to go see the event planner and tell her that I did not know that not everybody got paid. It's like, I'm sorry, I slipped, you know. And I realized right then that people did not get paid. And and I'm one of those people that I don't like unfairness. Like, why did these people did not get paid? And why did I get paid? I don't understand. So I started at questioning event planners on this. And I I interviewed over 3,400 event planners for this book. Because I wanted to know the answers. And so uh, this book came out because I don't want people to think uh, or speakers to think that they're all bad in a bag of chips. And that was the whole thing. Like a lot of people speak and they speak and they say, well, I don't speak for free. You know, I get paid. And then they get into this mode of where they go and, oh, well, oh, I don't do that. And I don't do that. That's not my job. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, you guys don't understand you. You're not all that. And so, oh, and then you see them speak on stage and they're horrible. And it's like, okay, who paid you to speak? Because you're you're not even all that. And I keep on doing that. And I kept on talking to people and they're like, oh my God, that's a that should be the name of your book, Worthy. And I'm like, what do you mean the name of my book? Yeah, you're not all that. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds like a pretty cool thing. And then what about what do I do with the, you know, with the message underneath it? And they're like, well, how about you? You've been talking to event planners. What are you asking them? I'm like, why weren't they not hiring speakers? Well, there you go. That's your subtitle. I'm like, yeah, that's a great idea. And like, that's how the book came about. And I'm thinking, yeah, that's the book. That's the book. Uh, And it took me like five years to get all these interviews done. And I really wanted to get to 4,000. But everybody was pushing for this book to come out. And I'm like, okay, fine. Let's just go with 3,400, whatever. It was 3,460 something, 3,467 or 62. And I said, okay, whatever. Let's just put this book out because I'm done with hearing the same thing over and over again. And, you know, this industry is so amazing. You know, it's it's a $100 billion a year industry worldwide. There are 64,000 events a day in America that pay speakers. And I don't care if you're an entrepreneur or a coach or you have a message and somebody's willing to pay for it. Actually, that's my tagline. If you have a message, somebody's willing to pay for it. So get out there, get speaking gigs because you can get, as an entrepreneur or business owner, you can get more clients. As a coach, you can get more clients through speaking. And it's the best marketing you can have for no fee, for no money. You don't have to pay for this marketing. It's amazing. That's right. That is absolutely incredible. Now, can you tell us more about some of the projects you're currently working on? Oh, my goodness. Um, so because everybody's always asking me, so how do I get more gigs? So how do I get more gigs? So how do I get more gigs? Well, we have a five day challenge to get people 250 gig leads so they can get leads for speaking. And so we're launching another one on the 19th. We just finished one today, actually. Isn't that amazing? And then on the 19th of October, we're going to start another one. So to know more, uh, follow me, email me. Whatever, I'm all over the place, so you can't miss me. Uh, Orly Amor, there's not that many of them. Just kidding. Uh, but there is on LinkedIn, Orly Amor on LinkedIn or um, on Facebook, on Instagram. It's I am Orly Amor and uh, everywhere as a business coach for public speakers. And then I have a platform for the health and wellness. Um, it's called the Health and Wellness Network of Commerce. And we're launching the largest uh, digital global marketplace for the health and wellness community all over the world. It's just amazing what's going to happen. It's launching right at the end of this month on the 25th of September, like literally a week from today. I am super excited about it. It's going to be fantastic for anybody who's an entrepreneur, uh, whether you're in corporate or in health and wellness, this is where you're going to be able to communicate with people all over the world, all over the country. Uh, and it's a free app. So you can, you'll be able to download it. You'll be able to communicate through it. You'll be able to attend events. You'll be able to sell your product and services as a member. Uh, it's just a beautiful thing. And it's, it's $150 a year or $15 a month. It's ridiculous amount of money, but how you will communicate with other people around the world is going to be fantastic. As soon as we launch, we'll have a half a million people on it. 
I love it. That is incredible. Congratulations, Orly. Thank you. I am so excited. Can't wait. I'm like, I'm at the edge of my seat with this thing. You are welcome. Now, Orly, you mentioned some of the challenges that you've experienced in your life, such as being abused and sexually as well. Can you explain to the audience how you shifted your mindset from a negative mindset to a positive mindset and how you overcame those major challenges in your life? I think that the pivotal point is is deciding, right? To decide is to cut off from, uh, in a Latin word, uh, and Tony Robbins talks about it, to so reach leverage, enough is enough. Do I really want to feel like this all the time? Like the victim, like the one that got hit so hard that you know she can't stand up again? Or do I feel like I'm always going to be the one who's abused, the one who is stepped on, the one who doesn't make it, or the one who does? So I had to make a... A shift in my mind where I said, you know what, I'm not going to think about those things anymore. I got to say enough is enough. I got to be, you know, it's like um, eating something too often in a week. It's like, oh, I'm sick and tired of eating chicken every day, right? It's like, have you ever gotten to that point? Because we all got to that point where we broke up with a boyfriend or we, we, we just got done with somebody or we got done with a job and we quit because we just couldn't take it anymore. Well, you got to be the same with your mindset, with your with your way of being. You know, are you feeling yucky every day? We well, gotta be enough is enough, kind of. You gotta get to that leverage point where you say, "That's it. I can't take it anymore." But I also had uh, another epiphany, if you will, after you know, and you gotta read. A reader, readers are leaders. If you can, if you read about it, if you get in, you know, self improvement is not or self help, if you will, they call it now. If you if you go ahead and read about it. It's going to give you a lot of pointers of what to do, but unless you implement it, what's the point in reading it, right? And and I wrote one book about it, so it's, it explains a little bit about how the brain works also in the book. It's called The 12 Powers We Hold Within, and one of them is the power to bounce back. You have been able to bounce back from many other things, hence you're here today, right? We started our whole life bouncing back from all kinds of stuff, like from crawling to walking to, you know, to falling on our tushy and starting to walk again. We started our whole life fighting for our life. So my goal was, uh, and my pivotal point, if you will, was not to let the abusers abuse me mentally. Because every time I thought about it, basically I was letting them take control of me. And that was something that I was not allowed, I was not going to let happen anymore. That was my enough is enough. I don't want this to happen. I don't want to think about it. I'm not going to give them the power. Let me think about other things. Let me think about more positive things. Let me surround myself with positive people. You know, I don't want to be surrounded by people who are negative and it's always doom and gloom, you know? Always something, you know, coronavirus, oh my God, doom and gloom, politics, oh my God, I cannot think about politics. I don't watch TV. I don't want to hear anything negative. And if anybody comes to me and talks about negativity, I don't let them. I'm like, okay, I'm not interested. And they're like, boy, you're really, you know, abrupt. And I'm like, no, I just don't let those things affect me. Because if you're going to talk to me negative, I'm going to have to think about it. And if I think about it, it's going to, I'm going to internalize it. And if I'm internalizing it, it's going to eat me up alive. I don't want that. It's like when a friend talks about another friend, I don't talk about other people. I don't talk about other people ever. That's the funny part, right? I have a girlfriend of mine, Liliana. She says, I never hear you talk about anyone. And I'm like, listen, first of all, even if something happened to me with this person, it's not my information to share, right? It happened to me. It didn't happen to you. Why would I share it with you? It's not in your business, not number one, right? So that's negativity spreading. And I'm one of those people, you don't let negativity in, you don't let negativity out. I don't complain to people. When I was going through a lot of turmoil in 2011, my employees stole $84,000 out of my bank account. Nobody knew about it. I was going through some serious heavy stuff. It was like the rug was taken right underneath me. And I was really in a lot of pain and I never talked about it. Why is that? Guys, I know I'm, I, I'm everybody, your audience and, and Gigi, hear me out. Nobody cares. 
think about it. Everybody has their own problems. Everybody has their own turmoils and you can only be supportive of others. So what I always did is I'm supportive of others. The first thing I do is ask people, how can I support you? I don't, I don't have, even if I'm going through hell, I'm still supportive of others because maybe they need it more than I do. You see? So how I overcame is by becoming a giver. And God, the universe, whatever you call it, gives you back. The law of return works in mysterious ways. If you just give and you are you are positive, positivity will come in. If you are thankful and grateful, more things will come for you to be grateful for. The more you are a giver, more things will be given to you by other means. You don't have to get it from the people you're giving it to. It's not like, you know, give and take. It's not about that, you know. I never give with expectation of get, getting ever, ever, ever. So I just give and God willing, it'll come back somehow, some way in another life. Who knows? That's right. It's very powerful. Thank you. You're welcome. Peace truly matters. Now, Orly, was there a time in your life journey where you experienced an aha moment? Oh my goodness. I have too many aha moments. <laughs> you know, too many. Um, you know, I was just talking about some aha moments actually yesterday and today, for some reason, I talked about life's most embarrassing moments. <laughs> And, you know, like people think about embarrassing moments as, you know, like showing up for a meeting, you know, because she, one of my clients, uh, she had she had to walk into a sales meeting with a little bit of poop of her baby on her shirt. She had a stain, you know, and she walked into that meeting no matter what. And, and she had no choice. There was no time to go get change and there was no time for anything. And she br she brought a change of clothing for her baby, but not for herself. So had to deal with it. So, you know, we were talking about life's most embarrassing moments. And I'm like, listen, I went on a stage once and I fell flat on my face to shake the, the, the one who introduced me, you know, face flat on my face. I'm literally the audience gasped because it was so bad. Everybody was like, <gasps> you know, like what happened to her? Right. Did she get hurt? Like I was there for a moment. And even the, the, the guy who introduced me was like, are you okay? You know, be, you know, his mic, he hit his mic and he was like, are you okay? And I, I looked up and I looked at the audience and I, and I, the first thing I said was, are you guys okay? <laughs> you, know? And, you know, it's like turning, turning something that totally was shocking to them into something good. But I was hurt. I mean, yeah, my knee hurt, my ankle hurt, but I got up. And like, you know, the show must go on kind of a thing. And I said, are you guys okay? Because I'm okay. Is everybody okay? You know, and everybody was cracking up laughing because, you know, that's an aha moment where you are able to turn a whole audience of 2000 people around with one word. You know what I'm saying? And for me, those are aha moments that just come in life where you got to take things with a, you know, with a stride. It's like you don't, you, nothing is so serious. So, you know, yes, things will happen and shitty things will happen. Sorry for my language, but yes, they do happen. And we can call it whatever it is. And no pun intended to my friend who had a, you know, poopy thing on her shirt. I mean, it's just things happen. And I think those aha moments can be just like life lessons. And if we don't look at them as life lessons, they can all be aha moments instead of and all life lessons at the same time. But uh, yeah, so those are really aha moments. Another aha moment for me is when I realized my worth. And we know we're women and women, we have been taught to, uh, you know, we're not worth it. We've been talked about, you know, that we're not worth as much as men are in payment as far as in the corporate world, that we, are, we shouldn't be making as much money. We shouldn't, you know, and so... You know, when I when I made it, you know, because there's a point in your life when you make it and you know you make it. And when I, you know, the house, the car, the, 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 the lifestyle that you deserve for yourself. And when you make it and you realize that, yeah, you know what? I did it. I actually made it. It was not more of a, it, it was not self-gratification. It was more of a, of a realization that, you know, I can't believe I doubted myself. I can't believe I thought I was not worthy. I can't believe that I had to go through all this turmoil to actually say, wow, you know, I am worth it. I am, I, I am capable. 
right? And sometimes I just want to tell women, you know what? Just go out there and do it. So what if you fail? So what if you drop? So what if you fall? You can get up and just do it again, you know? Learn something from it and move on. Yes, so you lost money. Money is, comes and goes. You'll make it again. Don't worry about it, right? Some people work three, four jobs to make a living and then they make it. Do it. It doesn't matter. Whatever it takes, you know? And so my aha moments is that some people have to go through all that and they still make it. I love those stories. I love it. Now, how important is it to understand the importance of failing forward? You know what? If you don't fail, you'll never learn anything. If you don't, you, you, can't, you can't succeed at everything without failing somewhere. You cannot. It's impossible. You know, Babe Ruth was one of them that said that. And I just don't remember his quote, but Babe Ruth said, you know, I had to I had to fail so many times to get to where I am. He was fat. He was all these things that everybody said he would not succeed, but he made to be the world. You know, you know, look at Oprah, what she was told, you know, as as a as an anchor woman. You know, look at Steve Jobs, look at uh, Bill Gates, look at all these people that were told they would amount to nothing, that they would never make it. Bill Gates didn't even finish high school. I mean, look at things that happened to people who were told they will never make it. You know, same thing with my platform, the Health and Wellness Network. Believe me, you know how many times I was laughed at? Do you know how many times I was told that this will never succeed? This will never sustain itself. This will never be. This will never make it. Are you kidding, Worley? What are you talking about? No one will come. No one will sign up. No one. Are you kidding? We made it five and a half years without being in the red. Five and a half years we've had, you know, no, uh, basically no, um, no debt. Five and a half years with no marketing and only growth. So at the end of the day, I never listen. So stop listening to naysayers. Fail at whatever it is that you need to fail. It's basically God telling you and the universe, God, whatever it is that you believe in. I'm not, you know, I'm not, uh, you know, promoting one or the other. I'm just saying whatever it is that you believe in, the higher power, God, Buddha, anything, Allah, you believe in whatever you believe in. But whatever it is, it's telling you that there's something to be learned from it. And believe me, that will be just a more of a motivation of a story to tell in the future of what you had to go through and what the lesson learned was so that you were able to overcome it. And, and, and really, that's all it is. Failing forward is a beautiful thing. And you know, even Les Brown says, you know what, if you do fall, do yourself a favor, fall backwards. Because if you can look up, you can get up. Right? Les Brown says that. If you look up, you can get up. So fall forward, fall backwards. It's even better. <laughs> you know? Yes, ma'am. That's right. Now, you mentioned your health and wellness network. Can you tell us your vision for that network? So the vision, actually, my vision is for the planet and the world. So I've had this mission, this personal mission since 2010, since January 2010, where I declare that I would like to impact the lives of 200 million people by 24th of April, 2025. And I didn't know how I was going to do it. So Les, Les Brown says, the how is not your business. And, and uh, Sir Richard Branson says, it, when an opportunity knocks, figure it, say yes, but figure it out later. And I lived my whole life, I mean, since I've followed those two, I have lived my life since then with those two mantras. So when I met those guys in Arlington, Texas for the speaking world and decided to create a whole speaking module and business, my, my, my uh, coaching program is called Business in a Box for Public Speakers. So when I created that, I'm like, I don't know, okay, maybe I can help people with that. But when I talked about it to some friends of mine, they said, oh my God, Orly, what if you help speakers get out there and they make the money, but what if they tell you how many people they touched? You can reach your 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 goal that way. And I'm like, oh my gosh, yes, that's a, that could be a good why I would do the coaching part because I never thought about coaching. I was traveling all over the world speaking. Why would I even get into coaching? I didn't even want that. But I was like, oh yeah, that's a great idea. My mission, right? 200 million. So what if every speaker just told me how many people they're connected to or how many people they speak in front of? So today we're at 103 million. 
But yeah. another thing happened in 2015 where another company, another pe people that have stabbed me in the back or I don't know, whatever, betrayal. So betrayal happened and I was like, oh, devastated and blah, blah, blah. And my girlfriend said, Orly, well, why don't you start your own thing? And I'm like, are you crazy? I'm too busy to start my own thing. And then I said, yo, you know what? Let me just do a mastermind. We'll see what happens. Then people will show up. I'll ask them what they think about this idea of getting health and wellness people and corporate people together. And at that, I did an event, like a mastermind. And I thought five, 10 people will show up. 62 people showed up. And then people were asking me, oh, can I start a group like this? And can I start? And I'm like, are you guys crazy? What's your, what are you talking about? You know? And so within a month, I have a law degree and an MBA and I didn't think about it. But because they asked me, I said, oh, maybe I have something here. So I went and got a business model written up. And within a month, we were in three countries and three states. And then six months later, we were in 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 um, in six countries and six states. And now we are uh, in six countries still because we're growing, but we're in 14 states and we have 45 chapters around the world. And this is just crazy. So it grew within nothing. I didn't say anything. I didn't do anything, right? But again, that's when I realized that my my mission would be able to be achieved. So we're at 103 million now with all that work. So again, uh, that is where, you know, the vision is not only for this company, but it's for everything. I just want to impact people's lives and I want to be a household name. No, or at least when I go to the grave that I've left a legacy that is impact is making an impact on the planet. That's right. And you are, you are making an impact. Thank you. You're welcome. Now, Orly, what is your best advice to the audience for walking with purpose and living a life of happiness? You know, um, it's it's a very good question because when you get up in the morning, what do you think about? What's the first thing you think about? Do you think about your bills? Do you think about what you're going to do today? Do you think about your to-do list? I think that what you need to really uh, realize is what are you contributing to the greater the greater picture, right? I mean, the the big because if your dream is not if it's not scaring you, it's not big enough. Believe me, two hundred million, it's scary. It's very scary because you're giving yourself you're giving yourself this bold statement, and you're like still wondering like how the hell am I gonna make it? How am I gonna do this? Right? And since Les Brown says the how is not your business, all these opportunities and circumstances will show up for you. If you believe in that, if you believe so much in your mission, so you got to be clear on what you really want to do, right? You got to be clear, a clear vision for yourself. And you know what? And you have to have a big why. And the why, you know, it could be your children, you know, what kind of world do you want to build for them? What do you want them, if they look up to you, what do you want them to look at? What do they want to, what would you like them to remember about you? God forbid, you know, tomorrow is not even promised to any of us. What do you want them to remember about you tomorrow? God forbid tomorrow you're gone. What do you want your children to remember about you? What do you want your peers to remember about you? Who do you want to show up as? As a, as a mother, father, aunt, you know, uncle, you know, uh, husband, wife. I mean, what do you want to show up as, you know? I mean, I prefer being alone in this planet. Like, literally, I just want to be one that's walking the planet, helping everyone, and I want to make enough money so I can help everyone. Does that make sense? So eventually, I don't know if the money would help, but you can't sell from it. You know, you can't help from an empty cart either. So you got to remember who you are and who you're serving so that you work towards it, you know, and you have to make small goals, not big goals that are, it's not that they're not achievable. It's that you have to make sure that the goals match the timing. And a lot of people like, you know, they want to lose 50 pounds, but they want to do it by tomorrow. God willing, it can happen. You know, I would love to make that wish and make 50 pounds disappear. It would be awesome, but it can't happen physically. So we have to make sure that we wake up with purpose and we go to sleep with purpose. So I always tell people, no matter what I go through in my life, every day is a challenge. Every day there are challenges to overcome. But I wake up with 200 million people in my head and I go to sleep with 200 million people in my head. And until I reach that number, I'm not going to rest. You know what I mean? So yesterday I worked 17 hours and uh, a friend of mine 
just this morning said, yeah, well, isn't it great to be a, uh, working for yourself? Thank God you work for yourself. I'm like, working for yourself doesn't make it easier. You don't work less because you work for yourself. You work more because you work for yourself. So it was kind of a funny conversation. I mean, what do you mean? I I was up for I was at the computer from 6 a.m. to 11 p.m. What are you talking about? I barely ate yesterday. I had one coffee, two bottles of water, and some cheese. What are you talking about? I had nothing all day. And he, I mean, what are you talking about being working for myself? So it's knowing what the mission is. That's why you're 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 living with passion when you have a mission in life. And that's really being living on purpose. That's what it means to live on purpose. That's right. Now you mentioned helping others, but how important is it to make sure that you have your own life vest on before you help others with theirs? Um, it's a it's a great question. Again, you know, I mean, you can't help somebody to walk through the mud if you didn't walk through it. You can only walk through. You can only help others to walk through what you've walked through. It's, you know, it's like, there's a lot of coaches out there. They want to help you make a million dollars, but they've never made a million dollars in the whole life put together. Right? So you got to remember who you're helping. Like a college student can be a coach for other college students, right? A college student has been through college and, and or has finished going to college or has applied and already is in college for three years. Now they can help other people college students or that want to get into college, help them go through the process of application and blah, 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 blah. Right. I mean, if you haven't been through the mud, how can you help somebody through a puddle of mud? The only way you're going to know, or you're going to be able to, is that if you walk through that puddle of mud, well, either you walk through it or you figure it out to jump over it, or you walked around it. And if there was a possibility to walk around it and you figured it out, great. Because if not, you jumped over it or you walked in it because you discovered that it wasn't so deep. You can walk in it with your shoes. It doesn't matter whatever it was. You need to learn how to do it yourself in order to help others. So again, yes, you got to take care of home base first. You can't help others if you're going through crap. It's impossible. And also, you know, when you're going through something, you need energy, right? So if you've expensed all your energy on, on everybody else, when do you have to, um, energy for yourself? So you got to make sure that you're taken care of in order to expend that extra energy on other people. And a lot of people will tell you that my 17 hours yesterday, well, Orly, how did you give it all almost to everybody else? Because my energy towards myself is amazing. I'm already like, I'm hype. I'm like this all the time. People <laughs> take drugs. I don't take drugs. I don't take drugs. I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't, I don't do any of that. I live solely on my passion. It fuels me every single day. My physical body wants to go to sleep at 11 o'clock at night, but my my spirit, my 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 heart, my brain are fun. As long as they're functioning and they're up, I'm up. You know, it's like when I met my husband. It was funny because you know I got up at 4:30 in the morning and I'm like, "Good morning, let's go out for a walk." And he's like, "What did you eat?" And I'm like, "Nothing. Let's just go for a walk." He's like, "It's 4:30 in the morning. Go back to bed." You know, and I'm like, and I'm like this all the time. So. It scared him. I was sure that that's it. He's going to break up with me as soon as he get up. He probably thought it was, oh my gosh, he's crazy. I might just get out of this thing uh, right away, right? And But no, this, this is what fuels you. It's your passion for whatever it is that you're doing. So if you have that energy, first feed yourself, then feed others. If you're able to give to others, it's beautiful. That's right. Now, how important is positive self-talk rather than negative self-talk. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. So the thing is about self-talk is that people think it's like, I have to talk to myself. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> I do talk to myself. I like to talk to someone intelligent from time to time. No, I'm just kidding. It's a joke. Uh, my point here is that um, self-talk is, is happening in your subconscious. And I do invite people to actually get my book because you're going to, uh, the, the 12 powers we hold within, because we do talk about self-talk and where it's really happening in the brain and how it's happening and actually what is it saying without you noticing, because sometimes you are verbally saying it without knowing that that's the words you're using. 
like saying the word try, you know, like, and I tell people try to take this away from me. Right. And they, they take it. They are not able to try to take it. They take it. And I actually ask you, did you try to get dressed today, Gigi, or are you dressed today? You know, did you try to brush your hair or are you brushing your hair? Like, no, you didn't try. You did it. So it's words that we use that actually are hindering our, our self-talk. And it's, it's really negative. It's very negative. But if we continue doing that, it is feeding our anchors in our brain. And those are the ones that are feeding our subconscious. And since we have 70,000 thoughts a day, we only control about 5%. What is happening with the next 95%? They're all, you know, simmering some black ooze in the back of our brain, right? So we need to be careful of that. So self-talk is what do you say yourself? To yourself all the time. See, I have little memes, like little, not memes, but they're posty notes around my house. And even people who used to visit me in Florida in my house, they're like, I remember those posty notes all over your house. And they still, I still have them here around my house. And they're memes to remind me certain things, you know, like I, you know, I am, I'm happy beyond belief. I am loved beyond belief. I, I love myself, you know, like I, I have money beyond belief. I have health beyond belief. Like, Basically, it's all these good things that I remind myself. But even if though I don't talk that way, it is subconsciously registering, right? Because it's in the corner of my eye. I know that it's there. I know that there's one over here. I am. Oh, this one is. I am a man. I'm. A, I am a money magnet. That one says I am a money magnet. And and all kinds of. I have one next to the door. I have ones on my closet. I have ones everywhere. Every in my bathroom, on my mirror, on my dresser. One next to my bed. There's ones everywhere. There. And I decorated them, you know, I actually sat down with some Sharpies and yeah, I felt like a schoolgirl. But you want to do that for yourself because it's very therapeutic, number one. And number two is that it is subconsciously reminding you to think positive things for yourself. Self-talk is so important because there are so many negative, negative things that come at us from every angle, through media, through, through commercials, through all kinds of stuff that we really need to watch. That's right. And how important is it to maintain a positive mindset orally? You know, I mean, we can tell ourselves, oh, I'm positive, I'm positive, I'm positive, I'm positive, right? I mean, like I can talk positive all day long, right? But it's kind of lying to ourselves. It's like, you know, you're, you're positive, positive, positive thinking. And then your mind is saying, oh, come on, Orly, you're lying to yourself. You know, you're not good. You know, you're not good at that. You know, you know, stop, stop, stop saying that. This is just a lie, right? And the thing is that there's like a tennis match in your brain. Right. It's your in your heart and your brain are not matching. They're like constantly battling that. Right. Your heart says, oh, come on, Orly, shut up. You're not even come on, really. And then your brain says, no, I'm positive. I want to think positive and I'm happy. Yes, I'm happy. I'm happy. And then your your heart is not even feeling it. Right. So it's not about staying positive. It's surrounding yourself with positivity. Put some cool music on to make you actually go, you know, like it makes you pop and dance and that, that's making you positive, right? And you're already, oh yeah, I'm, go I'm going, I'm, I'm already positive. Why? Because I'm feeling it in my, in my body and it's, it's uh, molecularly making me feel positive. So it's not about thinking positive. It's about feeling positive. The feelings are creating the anchors. The thinking creates the feelings. But if we're already thinking about the music, it's already making our feelings match it. So now we're matching everything. And the vibration is on a higher level. So I, and some people say, well, I'm on a diet. I can't eat cake. But is that going to make you feel really good right now? If it does, Go eat that piece of cake and go eat it. I don't care what it takes, but don't eat a cake every day if you're about to lose weight. But that one piece of cake is not going to make you gain weight. That's for sure. You know what I'm saying? So if it makes you feel good, 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 good about yourself, go do it. If it makes you feel good to just, you know, take something really cool out of the closet and got dress up and put some makeup on and look in the mirror and say, God, I look sexy today. Do it. Because whatever it makes you feel good, then do it because that's this has to match that. That's the eight, the longest 18 inches of your body is the vibrational match that has to happen. It's not just thinking positive, it's being, feeling positive. That's right. And loving yourself truly matters, as you said. Exactly. And now, yes, ma'am. And now you mentioned vibration. How important is it to stay in tune with the vibration that you're on and maintaining that as well? 
you know, it, it is not easy. It's, it's not, it's, you know, it's harder than, yeah, what did they say? It's easier said than done kind of a thing. And, and it's conscious. So you have to be able to be consciously knowing, realizing, thinking about it to be able to do something about it. See, sometimes we do something, so many things on automatic, right? I mean, there's four ways that our brain actually learns anything or does anything. And I'm sure you've heard this before, but it's in my book and I'll, it's bare repeating. So there's the unconscious incompetence, right? It's when you don't know what you don't know. So since we don't know what we don't know, let's leave it aside. We just don't know. The, we, the, it exists, but we don't know about it. Then we have the unconscious uh, the uh, con the conscience incompetence, which is means that I know what I don't know. Like I don't know how to fly a plane. Do you? Do you, do you Gigi? Well, no, because I, I don't know how to fly a plane. So if you ever get on a plane and I'm in the cockpit, I suggest you run. You know, like literally, I have no license for it. So I know what I don't know, right? And then there is the conscience competence, which means I know what I know. So you know how to get dressed. You know how to write. You know how to read. You know what you know. And then there is the unconscious competence, which is basically you're doing something on automatic. So let's put this into a little story. You are in you when you were born, you didn't even know that you needed shoes with shoelaces, right? You didn't know what you didn't know. You're a baby. How would you know? Then you saw somebody put their shoes on later on in life. You saw somebody put their shoes on and tie it with shoelaces, right? And then you saw, oh, I don't know how to do that. Now you know that you don't know. And now you learned how to, to tie your shoelaces. You tie a knot, make a bow, bunny rabbit, you know, bunny ears, right? We all learned how to do that. And, but now if I tell you, hey, Gigi, go and, you know, tie your shoelaces, would you really need to think about it? No, you would just do it automatically, right? That is what happens to us subconsciously is that we do things subconsciously. We do things on automatic. So that vibrational stuff that we're talking about, everything we've been talking about, positivity, staying in tune, we got to now become conscious of what we are not conscious of. Does that make sense? The things that are happening around, we need to be in tune of, what, of the things that we can control. And the things we can control is our thoughts, is our feelings. We can control them. We can look at what we're doing right now and see, am I in tune with what I'm doing? Is it serving my purpose? Is it serving my, my life? Is it serving my happiness? Because if it's not, let's change it right away. Put the music on, get some cake, get some chocolate, do something. Because that's what you need to change right away. It needs to change within 30 seconds or it gets anchored. And if it gets anchored, then now it's brewing in that, you know, the black ooze that we can't control. Does that make sense? Right? That's right. That's right. Now, how important is it to maintain a positive attitude? Well, you know what? 10% is what happens to us and 90% is how we react to it, right? I fell flat on my face. I could have said, oh gosh, it hurts, la la la. I can't do the speech. I'm gonna have to go to the hospital. You know, like I could have made it a bigger drama and we are so good as humans to dramatize and amplify something that is so minute. We make it so big. Oh my God, Gigi, you don't know what that girl did to me and OMG, right? And it doesn't stop. People just talk about things and they amplify it to the nth degree, make it so big that it looks big and it hurts as big as they think it is, right? So attitude is about how do you see it? You know, if somebody hurts you, even if it's intentional, right? And even if it's non-intentional, you can react two ways. You can become angry, resentful, uh, even you want to hurt them back, right? I mean, there's so much revenge uh, and all that minutia, right? Or you can just say, you know what? Let me just forgive them because they did not know better. You can even say to yourself, you know what? They were probably just stupid or have an ignorant moment, you know? That's right. You can just for and forgive them and, and move on. And if they're not, if, if they are, if they hurt you intentionally and you, you can, you can choose not to talk to them anymore. You can choose not to have people in your life. You can choose to stay away from people that don't serve you or your purpose. So, and I'll tell you this, when I started my journey, and this is a great uh, segue, um, when I started my journey to self-healing and self uh, and self-learning about all these things, I basically cut off people that didn't uh, teach me anything. 
So if you were my friend and I can't learn anything from you, I would just not be your friend. And I was, and at one, at one point I was left with absolutely no friends, zero, zero friends. I'm okay with that. They were, many people would call me their friends, but I would not call them my friend. I mean, they would call me their friend, but I would not call them my friend because to, for me to be a friend of somebody and to really be their friend or call them my friend, they would have to be able to teach me something. And if they were not able to teach me th something, they wouldn't be my friend. And most people would think like, oh, wait a minute. Wow, you're a hell of a snob, right? Heck of a snob. And I'm like, not really, not really. Because if you don't serve my purpose, well, what do I need you in my life for, right? And what would you need me in your life for? Are you a taker or a giver? Right? How do I test if you're a giver or a taker? If I'm always giving, 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 and you never even, I don't know, uh, call to see if I'm doing okay. Just call, pick up the phone, see if I'm doing okay. Let me tell you, none of these people call to see if I'm okay. I was living alone in Florida. I'll tell you this. I was living alone in Florida. I had my house, I had two dogs, that's it. Just me and my two D doggies. And it was Thanksgiving. And the day before Thanksgiving, my girlfriend who and her husband, who live exactly one block away from me, literally six houses, not even, okay? They walked by with the carriage of their baby. The day before Thanksgiving now, they walked by and they knocked on the door. So I opened the door. Hey, guys, how are you? Love you. I love them to pieces, just so you know. Walked outside. We were talking. We're in my driveway. We're just yakety-yakking, right? And they're, um, they're saying, so what are you doing for Thanksgiving? I'm like home alone. And they're like, what? Why didn't you tell us you should come over to our house? No, it's okay. Don't worry about it. I don't want to be a last minute invitation, but we didn't know. You didn't call. You didn't text. You didn't call. Yeah. I live one block away from you. Then you come and knock then on the door. And I said, and you know what? I said, and, and, and there, and I said their name and I said, you know what? Actually, you know what? All you friends of mine are thinking the same thing that I'm probably having 20 invitations and I probably will refuse to come to your invitation. So everybody thought the same thing. And here I am all by myself with all these amazing friends that I have. Apparently I have, right? So you got to understand that everything that you do, you have to do for yourself and don't worry about, uh, and don't worry about what other people are thinking, right? Did I answer your question? Yes, ma'am. You exceeded my expectations. Ma'am. Thank you. Now, can you explain to the audience to how important it is to understand that the five people you surround yourself with truly make an impact on who you are? You know, I believe it and I don't believe it. I have to tell you that, you know, you're the average of the five people you hang out most of the time. I do believe it and I don't believe it. That means that, you know, you choose to be around the people you are with. You know, even if they don't have everything you you want or everything you have, you could be the number one person in that group. You also could be the leader of that group and it doesn't really matter. You know, what do the best people around you mean to you? You know, I mean, you could be the most successful people out of the five. I am the most successful of the five people that I hang out with most of the time. Does that make me average? It doesn't make me the average. I am the most successful one. So actually what you need to ask yourself is, am I hanging out with the people that when I am down, will they lift me up or put me down? Will they disappear because I'm going through hardship or heartache? What, what will these people, will these people show up for me when I am not at my best? Does that make sense? You know, because a lot of people judge you when you lose everything, right? I've lost everything twice in my whole life. Twice I've lost everything, my home, my car, my everything. You know, people stole from me. People took everything from me. I, I did, you know, I declared bankruptcy once. I mean, literally, you go through hell a couple of times and people feel shame. People feel shame usually, right? I would feel shame. Normally, I would have felt shame because people criticize that people, uh, and you know, uh, judge you. And so you feel the shame. People make you feel shame. But the people who stuck with you through all of that, those are the people I want to hang out with when I'm rich and when I'm poor. It doesn't really matter. Does that make sense? So yes, am I really the average? I don't think so. Mentality-wise, I am totally in the same, in the best places on earth because I have the five most amazing people around me. They would lift me up when I'm down. They are still with me when I'm down and when I'm up. They would be happy for me no matter what. Does that make sense? They're happy for me. They want me to succeed. They genuinely want my happiness. And no matter what's going on in my life, they only want me to be happy. They don't judge me no matter what I go through. That's the people I want to hang out with.
<laughs> that is a very powerful message. Know your circle. Thank you for sharing that, Orly. Sure. Now, how important is it to obtain a mentor or a coach? Well, I, ha I have four coaches that keep me extremely, extremely busy. Um, I think it's the most important thing. In life, you should have mentors and coaches and, and be willing to pay for coaches. Uh, I, I'm a, I'm a big, big, big believe, believer in that. Yes, I am a coach as well, but I'm just saying, uh, don't hire a coach that doesn't have a coach. They don't know the value of having a coach because you need coaches in your life. First of all, my Orleism, if you will, is you can't see the picture when you're in the frame. You cannot see your own potential. Somebody has to get you there. And also if it's somebody that's been where you are, they can definitely walk you there much faster, don't you think? The, the learning curve is so, so small. It's so much shorter. Makes sense? So you want that. You definitely want to have a shorter learning curve. Who wants to go through hell twice? I don't know of anybody that wants to do that. So it's better to go through a mentor or a coach because they already been there, done that. And they can get me there to where I want to go faster. So I'll hire a coach all day long. No, no, no. Get me there faster. I definitely don't want to go through the mistakes. I don't want to go through that. No, I don't want to go through the pain. Who, who is such a masochist that they want to go through the pain anyway? You want to learn through pain? No, you don't want to learn through pain. I promise you, you don't want to learn through pain. I've been through the pain. I can tell you, you don't want to learn through pain. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know. That's right. Now, Orly, how can you provide some tips to the audience in regards to networking? Well, it's one of my topics. Your network is your net worth. If you're not making enough money, you don't know enough people. It's very simple. But building relationships is not about just networking. Here's my card. What do you need? What do you need? What do you need? It's like, how can I support you, right? And come from a place of service. You're here to serve, not to sell. That's what I tell people. Well, you know what? In life, you need to understand that you need raving fans. And you don't need to meet a lot of people. You need to find three gems, three diamonds in the rough that become your raving fans. So let me go through this exercise and you need to use your brain for that for two seconds. And we're gonna go through it very fast. So if each, each one of us knows 300 people, right? Easy math, 300 people. And out of my 300, I introduce you to one. So one, one person that knows 300 people, right? So that's 300 times 300. How much is that? Easy math. 9,000. Right? But you, you have to play with me, Gigi. <laughs> yes. Play with me, Gigi. 9,000, <laughs> 9, right? 300 times 300 is 9,000. Super math. Easy math, right? You're with me? Yes, ma'am. Great. So let's go to that math. And now those 9,000 people know 300 people each. Right? That's right. How much is 9,000 times 300? I already know the number. <laughs> we'll give it to the audience. <laughs> really quickly. In here. <laughs> what? If anyone wants to chime in on the comments here, we'll give it to the audience. <laughs> oh, okay. Very well. So yeah. the thing is that most people, uh, so if you introduce me, if I introduce you, so if I introduce you to one person and that person introduces you to, to one person, that 9,000, that 90,000, 90,000, it's basically going to grow. So it's 300, 90,000, we're going to get to 90,000, 90, it's 90,000, 90,000 times 300 is, people usually say 2.7 million. But the truth of the matter is 27 million. And the thing is that exponentially, you can make a lot of friends and that's that it, you'll never be able to get through it. You'll never be able to get through that many people. So imagine how many people do you really need to have? Three, three people that are raving fans. They can actually supply you with business for the rest of your life. You don't have to, you just can sit around. They're going to basically supply you with business for the rest of your life. You won't have to do anything. And if you build good relationships of raving fans, you will be able to sustain yourself forever, but you got to be a giver too. So what happens? The law of reciprocity says that if I'm a giver and I come and give to you, you by law of reciprocity would want to give to me. Does that make sense? Yes, because that's just, that just, just the way it works. It's just the way it works. 
People want to give to you because you already give to them. So I want to support you. That's what I tell people. I want to support you. How do I support you? And people usually say, well, how do you support me? You don't even know what I do. I'm like, I know I don't know what you do, but I don't want to do what you do. So why would I want to know what you do? I just want to know how I can support you. How, who do I need to introduce you to, right? That's really what I want to do. Who can I support you with? I know a lot of people. How can I connect you to those people? And usually what they say, but you don't know what I do. I say, okay, what do you do? Oh, I'm an IT guy. Great. I had this exact conversation. Believe me. I'm an IT guy. Okay. I know what an IT guy does. Okay. Who do you want to meet? He goes like anybody. I'm like anybody. Okay. Well, on my way back, I on my way in, this is a true story, by the way, you can't make this shit up. It's really cool. I'm sorry for my language. But anyway, I, you know, I have no filter between here and here. Who who, um, I, on my, we were at the Jacob Zavid Center and I said, I walked in, I said on my way in here, I was talking to the guy who sells hot dogs because I got myself a hot dog and he had an iPhone. So I'm sure he also has an iPad or an, a computer at home. Uh, do you want to meet him? He's like, no, I don't want to meet him. I'm like, okay, no problem. Uh, there was also a, a homeless guy and I gave him a dollar and he was really nice too. He, he said, bless you, ma'am. Thank you, ma'am. And I'm like, do you want to meet him? And he's like, no, I don't want to meet him. And I'm like, okay, no problem. But he was a really nice guy. Do you, you said anybody. And I'm like, anybody is also the homeless guy. And he's like, no, I don't want to meet him. I'm like, okay, great. So who do you want to meet? He goes, I would like to meet a lawyer. I'm like, oh, okay, great. So do you want to meet a lawyer that works out of his basement with one computer? Or do you want to meet a law firm that has three computers or more? And he's like, no, I want to meet a, uh, a law firm that has three computers or more. And I'm like, oh, thank God. Okay, let's start over. I can, con I, can com I can connect you to people. Who would you like to meet? He's like, I'd like to meet a law firm that has three computers or more. Oh, hallelujah. Praise the Lord, right? It's like people don't even know who they want to meet. They don't know where we can help them with, how we can serve them, how we can support them. Yet they want help. So if you're going to be of service to someone, make sure you understand what that means. And would you introduce them to those people if you came across them? And the answer is always yes, because that's how you build rapport. But if you're not going to do it, don't say it because you have to be in integrity. The way you do one thing is the way you do everything. You need to be in integrity at all times. So networking is very important. But don't forget what you're doing. Networking is about building relationships. You don't have to build relationships with everybody in the room. Pick one or two people. Get to know them. Get to see who you can introduce them to. Make a couple of introductions. And they will reciprocate. And if they don't reciprocate, move on. That's right. Now, Orly, how important is it for individuals to know themselves? Gosh, that's biblical. Um, know thyself, right? Know thyself. <laughs> know thyself is very biblical. Um, and the thing is about it is that you um, you need to know what you want in life, right? I mean, what do you want? What do you want? You want to make more money? Stop saying it. You want to make more money? That's not what you want. You want freedom. You want happiness. And, and maybe money brings that to you. But I know that I want freedom. And if I gave you a choice, which one would you pick, right? I mean, I know that I've had this exercise so many times with people. I said, what, what are the most three important things for you? So usually people say, well, happiness, health, and money. And I'll tell them, I'll tell them this. Mine is health, happiness, and freedom. <laughs> now that you know mine, why would you pick? And they always say, yeah, I would pick yours. Because money is not the thing that we pick. It's something that we want to have and that we think that it will buy us the happiness, and, and but it won't buy us health. Money doesn't buy health. You know, you could be a very sick person and money, all the money in the world will not save you. How many people have died with billions of dollars in the bank account? What did that do for them? They didn't save them. So... Think about the most important part in your life, and health is one of them, yes. Happiness, love, you know, those are those should be in the same row, if you will, of, of, of importance. And freedom, freedom to choose, freedom to be, freedom to walk freely, freedom to breathe freely. I mean, there's people in this world who are in jail. Do you want to be in jail? I mean, people are in, in their beds in, in a hospital and can't get out. People are in a wheelchair. They don't have the freedom to walk about like we do. And and so, yes, they probably don't know better and are happy also in the wheelchair because they probably never lived otherwise. And, and we don't want to pity them. But at the same time, are you just grateful for what you do have? 
And that's why freedom is something that's always taken for granted. You know, I had this conversation today with a client of mine who I told her that my only wish in life is to become an American citizen. And she said, aren't you working on that? I said, yes, I am. And I can't wait because that's going to be the biggest party this country has ever seen. And she's like, really? And I'm like, yeah, because that party is going to be I'm going to invite everybody, every media, every everybody is going to be invited to this party. The whole country will be invited. We'll know it will be live streamed all over the country, all over the world, because I think that everybody takes this country for granted. And I have no political, uh, any kind of political affiliation. I will just, I want everybody to get along. I want everybody to be equal. I want everybody to just be happy. And I want everybody to love each other. I don't want any hatred. I just want everybody to be equally treated. And that's it. Respect, love, that's it. And she said, oh my God, this country needs to hear that message. And I'm like, yeah, but they're taking the country itself for granted. And that's why I want to tell them how proud I'm going to be to be an American, you know? And so here's the thing, the freedom we have in this country, I've traveled the world. I've seen the worst, the best, the great. But for me, this country has still been the best. So people just don't understand that. And I wish for them that freedom. So yeah, you got to know that. That's right love and freedom truly matter. Now, Orly, thank you so much for being a guest on Walk With Me podcast. I really appreciate it. <laughs> yes, where can the audience find you? What? Where can the audience find you? Thank you for that. Um, well, orlyamore.com is my website. So they, there's, there's uh, a couple of buttons there. So one is to book me, but the other button is actually to have a session with me. So anybody can book themselves on my calendar for 20 minutes. Uh, you can um, contact me anywhere. There's my phone number on LinkedIn, on Facebook, on Instagram, on uh, Twitter. I'm everywhere. Easy to find me really orly at orlyamore.com. Orly Amore, anywhere you look, I am Orly Amore. You're going to find me. If you just Google me, you'll find me. I am everywhere. Uh, thank you for so much for having me. I do appreciate it so much. You're welcome, Orly. And again, it's an honor to have you. Now, ladies and gentlemen, make sure to check out Orly at www.orlyamore.com. And Orly, again, thank you so much for being a guest on my Walk With Me show. You have a thank blessed you. day. You too. Thank you so much. You're welcome.